You are listening to Real Men Feel with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but all men can benefit from. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. This is your host, Andy Grant. You know, Real Men Feel exists to remind men that they are emotional beings. Whether or not you want, want emotions, whether or not you believe, have, you believe you have them or have been taught that they're wrong or, or not good, but you have them. And I really want to rem- have men recognize that emotions are okay. In, in fact, they're better than okay. When you can be in a place where you're willing to feel and express every emotion that arises in you, your life, you can navigate life better. Right? Things flow better. You, uh, emotions aren't just something that happened to us. They're really there to help us. If you can think of it as kind of your internal GPS system and that your emotions are reminding you that you are in or out of alignment with your higher self, with your soul, with spirit, with whatever word resonates with you, that reminds you that you're not just a bag of meat. Mm-hmm. Right? And my guest today, he knows he's not a bag of meat. <laughs> I'm very glad to have him here today. Right. So I want to welcome men's health and performance coach and podcaster, Anthony Treas. Hey, and it is great to be here with you. I'm excited about uh, the information we're going to be talking about today. And, you know, I just want to extend my appreciation for what you are doing with the Real Men Field podcast and getting this information out to more men. So fantastic work. I'm uh, very excited. Great. Uh, thank you for that. And yeah, so let, let's start. So you have strong men coaching and a strong men podcast. That's so right. to start, yes. like what, what does a strong man mean to you? Yeah, you know, that's a very good question. You know, what a strong man means to me is somebody who is, is confident in themselves and that they are able to deal with life's difficulties. You know, oftentimes, you know, life is, is life, right? We can't go away from things that are, uh, that, that happen in life, you know, whether it's, you know, relationship issues, work issues, fulfillment, happiness, these sorts of things. And a strong man is able to deal with those difficulties and deal with those ups and downs. And that's what I think uh, a strong man is. And, and also a strong man understands the importance of self-care. You know, oftentimes uh, we put ourselves to the side, you know, it's not, um, and some, some men may think, well, that's, you know, being selfish, you know, but at the same time, you know, one of the analogies that I like to use is, is from the airline safety speech, right? That they say, you know, you got to put the mask on yourself before trying to help other people. And that's so important because oftentimes men aren't taking care of themselves physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, if you will. And a strong man understands that in order for him to provide or protect or whatever those titles that he has for himself in order for him to be the best he can be he's got to take care of himself and in, uh, in order to stay there for the long haul and so it's understanding that um, those skills are important and taking care of yourself is vital not only for your own uh, happiness and fulfillment but for you as a, as a person mm. yeah I often um, selfishness gets a bad rap I, I think in mm there's kind of an enlightened selfishness that is really selflessness, 
Right. Yeah. You need to be so, if to be a good leader, uh, a good dad, a good husband, uh, a good business owner. You, you need there has to be some selfishness. You gotta you gotta f- fill your cup. You gotta take care of yourself first, so that you can help others. Absolutely, that's absolutely true. And you do have to, you know, oftentimes one of the, one of the things that men tend not to do is take care of themselves physically, and 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 that's also that's very important. And I'm not necessarily talking about having to go to the gym six days, seven days a week, or being in the gym for hours on end and, and fitness, you know, oftentimes fitness is one of those things that, um, that is portrayed to men as far as like, that's something that you have to do, but it's more about being physically active more than it's about being in the gym, right. About building muscles. It's about being physically uh, active and not just, or not just, ha- you know, having this idea that you need to go to the gym all the time. So it is important for us to, to take care of ourselves. And, and as you mentioned, you know, it's, you've got to be able to stay in the fight, if you will, a little kind of like a military term there. You've got to be able to, it, you know, the team is only as strong as its weakest link, right? And so you've got to be able to uh, take care of yourself, even if you are a one man team, Right. This is not just for men who have families or um, children. It's also about taking care of yourself, because when you are happy and fulfilling, you're taking care of yourself. Then you're able, as you mentioned, being a good husband, being a good father, being there for those who need you. Cool. So have you always self-identified as a strong man or these kind of skills that you needed to work on yourself? Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, as I, in this process in working with men, I don't think that I've ever questioned like my manhood or my, you know, my masculinity, if you will. But one of the things that I, and I think it came, I'm not sure, and I was very drawn to the military at a very young age, very, very young age. I had a a father who went to Vietnam, I had a grandfather who served in World War II, and for some reason, and, and another uncle in the Korean War, and for some reason, my brother and I, we were just really drawn to that. But I have to, I say, I must say that I had a very difficult childhood. And to the point where, you know, I, I think I might have brought it up before where, um, you know, my father, he was a very unhappy and unfulfilled man. And, he, and, and the emotions that he had in dealing with that. Uh, was was let out in the form of anger and alcoholism. And my father, I remember, this kind of will sum up uh, what I went through and as a child. And I remember I was about to finish my master's degree. And my father went and uh, he lived in another state. He went to visit me a few months before I was to graduate. And I went to school later on in life. And so I was about to turn 40. And so my father, so, you know, always had this up and down relationship with my father. And I remember my father and I, we were just having this casual conversation, just a father and son time together, having this just, you know, it was, it was, it was, I felt like it was my opportunity to finally ask him. I felt the moment was right. I felt like we had a a, a good relationship and him and I were, we were um, in my living room and I'll always remember this. And I remember asking my father, you know, why did he do what he did? And, and what I refer to that is how my father just, you know, for lack of a better term, like spanked the shit out of my brother. And, I. 
and a full force. You know, there was no holding back. I mean, we couldn't do anything right without my father getting very rageful. And this had obviously been several years and several things have gone on since then. And I asked my father, why did he do that? Why did he, why did he have zero mercy on me when it came to anything that I didn't fall under his standards? And without any hesitation, my father was sitting on the couch and he asked me, do you want to know the truth? And, you know, the rhetorical question, and of course, said yes. And he goes, it was to humiliate you. And I, th- I sat there and I'm thinking, he goes, and it was to humiliate you to do what I wanted you to do. And it was, it was heart-wrenching. Because afterward, because it was like he just told me he wanted ice cream for dessert. You know, it was, it was nothing. And to me, I was thinking out of all these years and all the struggles and all the things that have happened to me in in my life as a result of having zero to no self-esteem growing up, my father in his, you know, in this moment knew, and and it was the word humiliation. Like I couldn't um, believe that he actually said that. And and like I mentioned, it was like he, like, I just asked him what he wanted for, for dessert, you know, and he mentioned ice cream and it was just like, all right, great. And so for me, I had struggled all my life as a result of, of this and had very, if any low self-esteem. And so for me to eventually get to where I'm at today and, and, you know, especially the aftermath of war, of divorce and so many things you know, I think I've eventually gotten to the point where, uh, you know, why I do what I do today is helping men not be like my father, <laughs> right? Unhappy and unfulfilled, where they end up lashing out on other people. Because unfortunately, we hurt those that are closest to us because we have access to those people, right? right? And so for me and and dealing with my, you know, as a man, and I never really questioned that, but I definitely have have doubted myself as a person. I'm 43 years old and I just, you know, it's been, you know, several years now, but I feel like I am just now getting over um, those things and and many of the things that were a result of that childhood trauma. Yeah. I mean, hmm, that's an astounding. Yeah. I brought up a lot of things there. Yeah. And it's an astounding question from you. Like it's, you know, I've, met parents that, you know, I thought, you know, to toughen you up to do it, but I've never heard mm. someone, oh my, no, my, my goal was to humiliate, humi- humiliate you. Like, absolutely. Wow. That's, it's like the, the kind of the, the ultimate in the town bully, just, uh, just for fun. I just humiliate you. It's. But. And the, and the thing is, is that, and that, and, and, and it was just out of all the words he could have used, just like you mentioned, you know, to make sure that you and your brother were tough or to make sure that you were strong. Cause I was a very small kid. Uh, I weighed 116 pounds when I graduated from high school. I wrestled 103s in high school, 103 pounds. And the reason why I remember specifically that I weighed 116 pounds is because when I went to MEPS, which is the military in processing uh, station where you go to where you go to get examined and then you get your final one before you go off to boot camp. 
And I went off to Marine Corps boot camp 10 days after I graduated from high school, which I actually graduated high school on my 18th birthday. So we're in MEPS. All of us are basically in our underwear, getting weighed and getting our weight taken. And I remember stepping on the scale and whoever was looking at the scale uh, or taking the, this, the, the measurements or the, the weight, um, after I stepped on there, he's like, he looks at it and he's like, 116 pounds and I'm in a group, I'm in a, in a group of, of guys and, and we're getting weighed and we're about to leave for boot camp. And I was just so embarrassed because I think for me, I was okay. But after he mentioned that and it struck, it struck a, a, a chord in me and like, it was a shock to my system where it was like, and they, what ended up happening when I went to boot camp is they, they made me what they call a D rat D is in Delta rat. And that stands for double rations. So when I went through the chow hall line, I had this little tag on my, on my uniform that said D-RAT on it. So the servers knew to give me double of everything. Hmm. So I, I, they, 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 they didn't force feed me, but they made sure <laughs> I ate. And I, yeah, and I ended up gaining like 16 pounds uh, through boot camp where there was some guys who lost 50 pounds in boot camp. So it's uh. But so when I was young and my father was um, spanking me, uh, embarrassing me, um, I struggled immensely uh, with, with self-esteem. And I think, um, and I'll share another story with you. One time my father, because uh, he struggled with alcoholism, and one time my brother and I went to go and, and visit with him. My, bro- my father was drunk and my father... Uh, there was this poncho, this wool poncho. Um, he made me put it on. He made me put it on and he made me start acting like I was Jesus. And my father, and, and he's drunk. I didn't, you know, and I did whatever he wanted to do because I, whatever I could deal with, in the, in, I could deal with him being drunk, but, you know, I just did want to, did, I wanted to do everything to keep him calm so to the point where he wasn't spanking the shit out of me, you know? And so I, he made me put on this poncho and made me start acting like I was Jesus. He was like, raise your hands, raise your hands and praise the Lord. And he made me walk up and down his studio apartment at that time. He made me walk up and down his, uh, his apartment, raising my hands, wearing this over, you know, huge poncho, telling me to praise God. And my father was was drunk and all I wanted to do was just do whatever he wanted me to do. I just didn't want him to start, you know, taking out or take out his belt to, to, um, to spank me. And I can, I, I remember seeing my brother's eyes and just, and, and having the fear uh, in his eyes and, and thinking, you know, what is our father going to have him do, you know? And he never, he never did anything. Uh, didn't make my brother do anything, but I just remember how hurtful that was, how embarrassing it was, even though it was my, just my father and my brother there and I'm there, you know, raising my hands up. And so I had the, these huge, um, ex, you know, these, these traumatic experiences in my life that really, you know, uh, were very impactful in my self-esteem, you know, and how uh, that, that was a huge struggle throughout my whole entire life. Mm. 
So did your military experience, is that something that helped you build up your esteem again? And after being intentionally humiliated so much? Yeah. You know, as I mentioned, for some reason, I was very, I was very drawn to military and discipline and, and those sorts of things. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if the military helped instill in me uh, confidence or help instill in me. Um, I think it had to do everything but the military, <laughs> you know, um, I, I always, I excelled physically. There was, I never had an issue with, um, physical training. Um, it was, you know, my, um, you know, it was something that I, I was drawn to that life and, and I was in the, the Marine Corps. I was also in the national guard. And then I deployed to Iraq, uh, in 2009, 2010, um, and then came back from the war and, and dealt with that. But I can't, I don't, I can't really say that, uh, I think it provided opportunities for me to discover things, you know, uh, that you just only experience when you're in the military, mm. you know, there's only, you know, certain training that unless you put yourself through it. Right. But the, the military provides that opportunity for you to, you know, stretch yourself and to, um, you know, I went through some, some very, uh, difficult training. I went to air assault training, uh, which is one of the uh, difficult trainings to go through in, in the army. Uh, one of them, there, there are many. Um, and then, you know, also going through the Marine Corps boot camp and those sorts of things. But I think from a young age, I'd always been in a personal development and I, I, I did a lot of reading. I've done a lot of reading. And I think there was just something in me that just wanted to improve myself. And I, I really can't say that it was the military that provided me that opportunity to build self-esteem because I think part of my, my low self-esteem is what didn't really necessarily allow me to excel in the military. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it was just kind of different things, but I think it was more my desire to want to improve my life for whatever for whatever way, I think for many years, um, as, as a young kid, I remember myself, it's, it's quite interesting after learning about, uh, affirmations, uh, you know, words that you repeat to yourself or words that are uplifting. I remember as a kid and this mind you, I was still having a horrible childhood, but I remember the tape recorders, you know, the handheld tape recorders, uh, some, some of those, um, uh, cassette players, right? <laughs> I grew up in the seventies, eighties, and we had these cassette players and some of them will, can record your voice. I don't remember all of them. And I remember, and I don't know where I learned this. I don't know if I developed it myself. Maybe I saw something on TV. I don't know, but I, w I would record myself saying encouraging things to myself. Like Anthony, you got this. Anthony, you're amazing. Anthony, you're great. Anthony, you're I don't know if it was like after watching a Rocky movie or something <laughs> that I ended up like having this and, and I would do that. And I didn't know I was doing affirmations, but it, it shows that I, I, I don't know. I just had this idea that I just wanted to be better than I was. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you, you were, you were actively coaching yourself 
So <laughs> in some ways, it yeah. seems, yeah. So what, what of all your experience led you to, to want to be a men's coach? Was that from an early age or is it all, you know, more recently, like an aha moment as an adult or, or how did that unfold? Yeah, that's a great question. So after my deployment to Iraq or before my deployment, uh, after, before I had come home, returned home from my deployment, I made this promise to myself that I was going to take care of myself mentally, physically, um, and spiritually, not from a religious aspect. And this, I said this to myself before I even knew what was going to happen to me when I came back home, when I returned home. I remember I had to do a PT test while I was in Baghdad. And I, one of the things, uh, part of the PT test is a two-mile run. And I remember towards the end of this run, I could barely even breathe. And over there, it's not the best air quality. You have dust, you have vehicle exhaust, you have airplane exhaust, you have helicopter exhaust, you have all these things that you're being exposed to. And by the end of the run, I could barely even breathe and let alone swallow. I felt like my throat was just caked with dust. So after the run for a week, I could barely even swallow. I never even complained about this, but I could barely even swallow my saliva without it feeling like I was literally eating uh, sandpaper. So it was, and, and, and it was just, I even look at pictures that I have the, that show the air quality. And this was even before my public health education. So I made a promise to myself that I'm going to, I'm going to take care of myself when I get back exercise, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to do great things. So anyhow, I, go, I come back from Iraq, and two months before coming back home, my then wife tells me she wants a divorce. So I come back home from deployment, um, getting a divorce, and uh, I begin to struggle from PTSD, severe depression, anxiety, claustrophobia. I mean, I was, it was bad. It was one of the things that really... Uh, shook me because I had never experienced anything like that before. If I, I was on, I was hyper vigilant. I was hyper alert. I was oh, I was I was like I was back in, in Baghdad. I was very, um, you know, I always had to know if I went to an establishment. I always had to know where the exits were at. I always needed to know like how I could get out of a certain situation. Uh, I couldn't be around a lot of people. That was from the war, let alone what I had to deal with from my uh, divorce. So long story short, I end up at this time, I hadn't finished my education and it was a goal of mine that I always wanted to finish my college degree. Well, long story short, I end up completing a, a bachelor's degree in health promotion, health behavior, and a master's degree in public health. So after my, uh, my education, I went for six years, I went and worked as a health educator uh, for a health organization up in Alaska. And uh, month, uh, I'm sorry, June is Men's Health Month. Now, most men don't know this, and I don't think I probably would have known uh, had it not been for my public health education or for my, you know, being uh, where I was working at. And so I went to my boss, and I wanted to put on a men's health workshop for Men's Health Month. And I ended up conducting this workshop, and I, I did pre- and post-surveys for all the attendees. I wanted to know what information they knew beforehand and what information they became aware of as a result of the workshop. So it was from these, these 
surveys that I conducted that eventually led me to a moment where I began to reflect on all my education from my public health education as, a, as an undergrad and as my master's degree in public health. And then not only those two things, but also my own struggles uh, in dealing with PTSD in dealing with my divorce. And a moment came to me where I realized there was nothing at this time. It's been 10 years now uh, for men to empower them, to encourage them to take care of themselves. And I began to talk to other men uh, about their struggles. Uh, it was a small community. So I was able to, you know, get to, you know, have opportunities to talk with men individually and hear about their struggles and hear about and share with them the information that, I, that was revealed to me about a lot of the men were, you know, mentioned they wish they would have been exposed to this information years ago. Most of them were in their late 30s, early 40s. Um, many of them were married, had children of their own, and were wished their kids, uh, their sons had been exposed to this information or went with them to this workshop. And so I, it was a light bulb moment for me. I took all, I, I looked back at my education and there was never anything particularly about men's health. There were women's health. There was women, child maternity information that we went over, but nothing specifically for men. And oftentimes when uh, someone, a woman's wanting to, to conceive, what are some of the things they tell her? Well, you know, be stress-free, take care of yourself physically, take folic acid, these sorts of things. Well, what, what information do men receive? We don't get anything. We're just like, you know, we just do our thing and, and that's how, you know, a child is conceived and we hope that it, it's all about taking care of the woman. But studies have shown it's just as important for men to be physically prepared, that they are taking care of themselves. They're providing half of the equation. But when it comes time to having a healthy child, there, there's nothing about men to be healthy, for them to stop smoking, for them to stop drinking, for them to do uh, to prepare their body in order to have healthy sperm. But, but none of that is, is talked about. So what else is missing about that we're not talking to, to men about and, and so that they are happy and fulfilled? And now you're seeing results such as these other things that, you know, it's getting to the point where it's bad to be a man. And it's because there's never been this encouragement for men to take care of themselves so that they're happy and fulfilled and not like more men like my father who was not happy or fulfilled and ends up doing things that were obviously not good for your own child, like your own child to spank the shit out of them, just to, to abuse them that way. And then to, of course, it wasn't just me. And I don't want to necessarily go into this, but of course it was the rest of my family, right? So that they end up suffering. But if he was happy, if he was fulfilled, if he had deal whatever he needed to deal with in a healthy way, he could have been a healthy or a better father. He could have been a better husband. He could have been a better, you know, member to society. Right. And so it was these moments that I look back at my life 
and I look back at the struggles I've had. I haven't always been living my dream or being you know, as, as excited about life as I am right now. I was married for 12 years. I, you know, I had my struggles in finding my life's work and my life's purpose and went through so many difficulties. But as I begin to realize and look back at my past and, and struggles that I had as a, as a young person, uh, how that affected me uh, throughout my life, um, and then looking at my education and what I learned from, from there, and then from, uh, from this uh, workshop and, and talking to men, and then looking at my own life when I was in the depths of my struggle and PTSD, anxiety, depression, there was nothing other than go to the gym and build muscles, right? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the, the one thing that, you know, be, you know, for fitness and health for men, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, you know, join a, join a CrossFit club, you know, it was one of those things, but there was nothing deeper than that. It was nothing about building the skills to deal with the ups and downs. There was nothing about, um, you know, one of the things we hear often now is about mental health, Right. And knowing as someone who has struggled immensely with the lowest self-esteem ever, I honestly don't think it's a mental health issue. It's a self-esteem issue. It's a lack of confidence issue. It's a lack of skills issues that help you. I get days where I have days where I'm sad. I get days where I'm depressed. Is that a mental health issue? No, it's, it's a skill issue. It's realizing it's okay to have a down day. It's, a, you know, go and do something that brings you happiness. Go for a run. Go and, you know, do something, you know, watch a funny movie or go and do something that, um, that you know, brings up that energy in you, that happiness. It's not that I have a mental health issue. It's I have a skills issue that isn't allowing me to deal with this temporary moment where I feel lonely or I'm feeling depressed. Those are okay. We talk about real men have issues, right? We do. We, I'm human and I have all the skills that I think I need in order to be, to be happy and fulfilled. However, um, I do have days where I feel lonely. I do have days where I'm depressed. I do have days where I don't feel like I'm doing enough, but I know it's like, Hey, you know, I know I reflect on the things that I have accomplished. I reflect on the things that I know that I'm doing right. I reflect on the idea that I'm living my life dream, that I'm, I'm living the lifestyle that I've always had dreamed of. Those things I did for, I did. No one did them for me. I did them by base of the skills and the, and the knowledge and the information that I have and that I give to, to clients that they are now able to live happy and fulfilled lives. And not, and, and so... So yeah, you know, we talk a lot about mental health, but I don't think it's a mental health issue. I think it's um, a self-esteem issue. I think it's low, low self or uh, lack of confidence issue and lack of skills that um, are not prominent uh, unless that are not prominently um, educated for uh, with people unless they purposely go and seek to develop those skills. Cool. So you, you've mentioned um, fulfillment. A, a lot. And so I, I wonder, like, how, how would you define what is, what does fulfillment mean to you? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, fulfillment uh, is different for everybody. You know, fulfillment 
uh, could be someone, you know, that they find fulfillment in their job. They find fulfillment in, you know, the things that they do. Fulfillment for me, and this is coming from, you know, years upon years of doing a number of different jobs, a number of different positions, a number of different things, and nothing ever hit me. Uh, nothing ever, you know, I didn't feel passionate about any of the work I was doing, except for my last, my, my last quote unquote employed job where I was a health educator. That job was phenomenal. And I absolutely loved it, but I pursued my dream in which I'm living today, but it, I loved that job. Um, but before that, um, there was, I, I, I didn't have any kind of fulfillment as far as the work I had. And I think the reason why I was feeling unfilled is because I felt inside of me that I had so much potential and I just wasn't living that potential. And I think that's where that fulfillment comes and that's different for everybody. Someone could be finding fulfillment in having a podcast show. Someone can have, be having fulfillment in raising good uh, uh, um, uh, children right? Someone could be fulfilling as being a husband. Someone can have that fulfillment, but there, it does need to be something that they do find fulfillment in that is healthy, right? There could be bad things where people feel fulfilled. Um, but fulfillment for me was realizing and recognizing something that I think has been part of me for so long and that's helping other people. Um, so it's, 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 it's synonymous with, with, with meaning, like feeling whatever you're doing is, is fulfilling a, a purpose in you, some, some kind of a missing piece or something like that. Does that ring true? Absolutely. I think so. I think deep side and deep inside each and every one of us, there is something that we want to, to give, right? There's something that, that meaning that comes to us. Um, what, and that could be so many different things. The one thing that's really important, Andy, that I really want to make a point is that it can change. It's not one thing that goes throughout your whole entire life. And I'll give you an example. I know I had a client who was a fire chief and he got into firefighting uh, at a very young age. So he was, he retired at 50, he was in his mid fifties. So he's 50 something. And I'll always remember this client because he came to me, he was a fire chief. Very, I think the highest you can go in that and, and being a firefighter, he, he, he was fulfilled in that, but he was struggling with what's next because he's probably going to live another 20, 30, 40 years. But the biggest thing for him was how, how he struggled because his wife um, had a very good social network and he didn't have anybody. So now he's struggling with, okay, what's next? Doesn't feel like he has, you know, good social life sort of jealous, but you know, women are good at maintaining relationships. Women are better at social interaction than, than we are maintaining relationships than, than us as men, unfortunately. Right. But one thing about fulfillment is that it can change. And right now this fulfillment is me being a men's coach, helping men also find that happiness and fulfillment in their life. Will it change five years from now? Will it change 10 years from now? I don't know, but I'm a young 43-year-old that I'm living my life to the fullest. I'm living my dream right now. And so fulfillment, um, it's a personal thing. Fulfillment 
can change and that's okay because I mean, yeah, if you find like perhaps I could for the rest of my life, working life, help people, but are there other things that I could potentially do that I would just be utterly amazed doing? Yeah. Maybe one day I'll run travel trips and that's my next thing. And that's what I find fulfilling, right? But fulfillment and meaning can change throughout one's life, right? As they go through the stages of life, right? Right now, maybe a man's fulfillment is raising his children. <laughs> After his children leaves, it's finding that fulfillment in what he wanted to do. Maybe he wants to travel the world. Maybe he wants to take his, his job from being uh, on, offline to online, whatever that may be. But as we go through stages of life, that fulfillment may change and that's okay. Cool. And do you find that most men value their own fulfillment or is this something that they're not even considering? I honestly don't think men are even considering it. And here's the thing. I don't think there's much encouraging them to find fulfillment. And, you know, I get, I get uh, messages from women, uh, emails telling me they appreciate what I'm doing. Uh, they, I have single mothers who listen to what I'm saying to partake or, or to share that information with their sons as they try to raise boys. Um, I get messages from women wishing their, their, their husband would, <laughs> would, uh, take coaching from me. Um, but it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's that fulfillment that comes from, um, or it's that thing that comes from, uh, your own personal, uh, self, if, if that makes sense, you know, um, yeah, no, nobody can go, Hey, Anthony, I bought, I bought you a box of fulfillment. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You've, you've got to find it. You've got to, yeah, it's exactly. And, and as I mentioned, you know, oftentimes men aren't encouraged to find that fulfillment. And I know that I've gotten some, some, uh, some backlash from people where it's like, well, men have had it easy men, you know, they get paid more, they do this, they get that. And it's like, you know, men do. And, and that's why I say, I'm so grateful that you started your, your podcast and, and sharing this information with men that real men feel we do have our struggles. And oftentimes it's our own battle within our own minds where we are, we're questioning, am I a man? Am I masculine? Am I this? Am I that? And it really comes down to what's your own definition and let that be whether, and that could be, that could be, you want to be the, the, the strong, muscular, you know, Navy SEAL kind of man. And that's your, and if that's what you think is, and you're doing that and you're moving towards that, great. If you're not, but you still feel like you're the provider protector, if that's what is your definition, then great. But you've got to be okay with, um, and this goes back to taking care of yourself, you know, asking you those asking yourself those questions, you know, what brings me happiness? What brings me fulfillment? Um, and being okay with that. You know, I have, um, I have a, a close friend who really enjoys training Brazilian jiu-jitsu and his girlfriend doesn't like that he trains just about every day. But it's his gym time. It's kind of like his thing. And that's what he loves to do. It's his thing. He's not doing it to compete around the world. He's just doing it's that 
fulfillment that he has. That's something that he enjoys. And she wants him to dial it back. And it's just like, look, I am, I love you. I enjoy this time. I enjoy this relationship, but I'm going to be honest with you. I am not going to stop training. <laughs> you know, this is something that I enjoy. This is something that brings me fulfillment. This is something that I, that it, it helps me in every aspect of my life. And I would just appreciate if you would support that it allows me to be who I am with you. It allows me to be who I am as a, and, and that's, that's powerful because, you know, it would be one thing to say, Hey, you know, take it or leave it. You know, it's like, you know, but he's, but he mentioned, Hey, I would want your support in this because, and explaining, not that he necessarily needs to explain himself, but to explain that this is something that I really enjoy. And it allows me to let out, uh, let out stress, let out frustration, uh, but it allows me also to have a community of friends, uh, a social network, and allows me to stay physically active. Allows me to, you know, do thing that something that's that is healthy for me. And hey, I encourage all men to find something that they truly find fulfillment. And hopefully they have someone who uh, um, who supports that because it is it is important for men to find that fulfillment. And oftentimes um, it's just a matter of making that effort and and doing what is necessary in order to um, to make it happen. Yeah, make it a priority. It, yeah, it, it goes back to kind of the, the notion of of being selfish, right? Yeah. I'm I'm selfishly going to use this time. It may seem selfish to you, but no, because it makes me content and fulfilled and happier during all the rest of my time when I'm not doing this thing, right? When I'm with the other, when I'm with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that was the important thing that I wanted him to stress to his girlfriend was that, look, this allows me to be, you're attracted to me for whatever reason, you know, and this is something, if I couldn't train, if I couldn't do this, I would be miserable. You know, I wouldn't be happy. You know, it really brings the, it brings many aspects for him brings the social network, it brings the, the, um, the fit, the, the fitness of it. And there's so many, there, so much research has already been done and, it, and no one really needs to argue about it, that physical activity is good for the brain and, and, and it allows you to think clear, allows you to think better. And when you're thinking better, you're feeling better. When you're feeling better, you're conducting yourself in, in doing the things that are important for you. When you're not letting that, uh, whatever's fulfilling for you, you're going to struggle you're going to struggle. And then it's taking, and it's not to say that once, you know, yeah, I find fulfillment in traveling. I'm just going to start traveling and, you know, doing those things. It doesn't mean, you know, there, there could be a process to it, uh, to uh, getting to that point, but it's definitely not going and saying, stop doing the things that, you know, stop or get rid of all your responsibilities, you know, right. There's things that you, you know, it's not to say that, I'm going to be a fulfilled and empowered man. And I'm just going to stop all the things that, you know, and it's not that I'm not encouraging men to, you know, you know, do things that, that, you know, I'm just going to stop working and, you know, do the things that make me happy. It's like, yeah. Fulfillment on a whim without a plan doesn't, doesn't usually work well. I'd say that. Yeah. You know, you still, you know, the, the repercussion repercussions of you just doing that, aren't going to, you're going to eventually deal with some, the, the repercussions, the consequences of that. And that's not going to bring happiness and fulfillment in right. you. So um, this is part of it, but 
it is a process and that's okay. And that's why, you know, with my coaching clients, it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. And that's what I enjoy helping men is just developing that light bulb moment saying, look, where you're at right now is totally fine, right? It's, you know, where you're at right now is accepting the, the fact of where you're at right now and that you want to change. And now it's all about focusing on this present moment and creating that future that you want. And you can't go back, right? The past is done. It's over with, you know, just like for me, I can't say, Oh, I wish I would have went to college when I was in my twenties. I wish I would have started traveling when I was It's like, no, like that's done and over with. But now, you know, I'm, I'm living the ultimate lifestyle, but it took, it was, it was a process. It wasn't overnight and that's okay. And then once men hear that and take a deep breath and let it out and be like, okay, I can accept that. Let's get a plan and let's move on. Let's, let's, uh, let's go from there. And that's, that's an exciting moment for me. Why do you think so many men are resistant to, to seeking any sort of help to begin with? Well, it goes back to that whole thing of, uh, you know, that, a man should be able to do everything on his own and that, you know, if it's going to happen, it's, he's the one who's going to do it. And you look at any successful person, they didn't do it on their own. Someone could have written a hundred books and I could tell you right now, they had very good editors, <laughs> right? Uh, no matter what. I mean, even in my own business, I have people who help me. I don't do the editing. I don't do the, I don't do the images. I have people who do all that, that uh, help and support me in, in my business and allow me to live the lifestyle that I live. And the thing is, is that it is, I think there is beginning to be a little bit of a, or some change in that where men are now looking for that help. They're looking for that um, support in developing those skills that I mentioned, you know, there are skills that need to be built, you know, developing that confidence, developing that self-esteem. And we often think that self-esteem, oh, well, that's a kid's thing. No, self-esteem is what, how you think about yourself, how you feel about yourself and think about yourself. Back in the day, that's what it was called. It was called self-esteem, low self-esteem. Now it's called mental health. And I don't know, (laughs) you know, it's tough because there is a differentiation of true mental health issues like schizophrenia, you know, bipolar. These sorts of things are serious mental health issues. But so many people put in self-esteem as a mental health issue. And I don't, and, 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 but there's that stigma, right? There's that stigma of mental health. And that's where people don't, or, you know, men in this case don't go for help because they don't want to, you know, have this idea that they have a mental quote unquote mental health issue, but it, but it's not. And so the, the struggle that I think men have um, is going back to the idea that they need to do it all on their own. And like, you know, I don't need help type of mentality or attitude where men are, I think, slowly beginning to seek out that help. Although they're now starting to seek out coaches more than they are therapy. Either one is great, but one thing that I want to point out is therapy is good. And I, and I went through therapy, uh, but therapy is about dealing with the past. 
Coaching is about dealing with this present moment and moving forward. Mm. Will things maybe have to be discussed as far as like what was successful or not successful in the past? You know, what things kind of getting a picture, but it's not putting that energy towards the past. I remember when I was going to therapy, it was all about what my dad did, what my mom did, what my brother did, what I, you know, all these things that I went through, my aunts and uncles, just all this stuff of the past. And when you put all that energy in the past, how much energy do you have in this present moment in working towards what you really want in your life? Right. It's very little, right? So it's that understanding and, and it's, and it's, it podcasts like yours, Andy, that help men to come to the realization that it's okay to seek help, whether it is therapy at the beginning, there's a, that's okay. But just to understand that therapy is about focusing on the past and coaching is about, okay, I've dealt with the past. Um, hey, I'm all about moving forward. I have a goal. I have an idea of what I want to be. I want to be working towards that because one of the biggest things about coaching is this. It's about co-creating a plan and then having that accountability and working that plan. Mm-hmm. A therapist is not, and there's times, and I'll be honest, there's times as a coach, you got to have, you got to share a little tough love. Right. There's that. There's those times. A therapist isn't going to do that. A therapist is just going to listen to you and kind of let you, you know, talk about it and kind of let you come to your own realizations, which is fine to realize, you know, some light bulb moments. Right. And realizing, you know, some of these things that happened in your past are impacting your future. But there's a time where it's enough talking. It's enough emphasis on the past. And it's about creating a plan and an action and start taking action towards what you really want. Because you can't change the past. It's done. It's over with. It's gone. Deal with it. Yes. I'll never tell anybody, don't go to therapy. That's not, I'm not, you know, in that position to do that. But I know what has helped me. And it wasn't until I went to seven years of therapy, seven years of just wanting things to change. And I felt like I had done everything that I needed to do um, in dealing with my past. But it wasn't until I started focusing on what I really wanted to live and the, the person that I wanted to be and the kind of life that I wanted to live. And that was the most important thing is that, that I came to realize. And that's part of why I became a coach too. Is like, And that's who I who I end up attracting to me and, and, and my clients are those men who have done enough talking. I, I just had someone call me the other day and they're like, you know what? And, and actually email. I've just two weeks, just in the last week, I've talked to one guy who started therapy and he was like, it's too soft for me. I'm tired of talking about the past. I want to move toward the future. Now don't get me wrong with that one person I'm referring to years ago, he did go to therapy. It did help him. And that was great. It moved him on. But he, he was now into another period of his life, went to therapy. He's like, no, that's not what I want. I need coaching and I need to move forward. That was one. Another gentleman is like, I've done all that. I've read all the books. I've watched all the motivational YouTube videos. I've done other coaching. Hey, I'm ready to move forward. I, you know, enough of the past, enough of this temporary motivational stuff. No, I need to develop the skills, the confidence, and the ability to um, develop the kind of life I want and start moving towards that. And that's what coaching is all about. Right. Cool. 
So the guys that do come to you, the people that you work with, what are some of the most common struggles that, that they're, that they're facing today? Their lack of fulfillment, their lack of, you know, what they want in their life. It's, that's what I see often. Men uh, do come to me when they are struggling with, um, you know, it comes down to that confidence. It comes down to, um, you know, I want to say masculinity, but there's also time. There, it's not so much like, am I a man? Am I not? It's just there are skills that are, are good, such as leadership skills that, you know, we would kind of categorize. I mean, everybody could be a leader, right? But it's, you know, I, I'll give you an example. I had, and it, it goes back to where I was contacted by a wife of a, of a gentleman who's like, I would like for my husband to have coaching from you. And I, and I explain, you know, it's a personal thing and it's really going to, it's going to take work and he's going to want to have to want to do this work. So here's my information, have him contact me. So he did. And after talking to him uh, and it sounding like it was more, he was doing it for his wife. It come to after we got talking that, you know, it, it was at the point where she wanted him to develop more masculine traits, as we would call masculine traits, being more assertive, taking leadership role. Uh, his wife was tired of making all the plans. He, she was tired of making all the decisions. And he did have a feeling of, you know what? I should be doing this stuff. I should be more of a leader in my home. I should be making more of the decisions. I should be making more of the plans in the sense, of course, I'm not going to say this has to be for everybody, but in this case, right, she was basically threatening divorcing him if he did not develop these qualities. But the one thing that was different was that he wanted to develop these qualities. So I have gotten men who are like, I'm not feeling strong here, whether that's, you know, their, their, their definition of masculinity or their just their desire to be like, look, I need to be more assertive. I need to learn how to be more assertive. I need to learn how to speak up. I need to learn to, you know, make plans. I need to learn how to do these things. And that goes back to, you know, why wasn't he like that before? Whether it was something he was just never exposed to, um, whether it was something he just never um, had the opportunity to develop mm. these sorts of things. So for him, it was, I want to be more of a leader. I want to be more of a decision maker. And, I, and what's, and, and I, I really enjoyed this client. And in fact, I, um, I work on a three month basis and he just kept repeating. He's like, I don't want to fall back and I want to keep going. And it was just so amazing to see, when he started developing these assertive qualities, how his wife responded to that. Now, I'm not going to say that this is what, you know, a lot of females want, but there is this idea of, of and, and, and that word assertive could kind of be taken misconstrued, right? It's like, you know, having your way or anything like that. It's not in a sense that it's, it's more of like, I'm going to make a decision based off of all the information and that's what we're going to do and stuff. But she responded to it and he was so like, 
like, wow, this was so crazy. Like she just wanted him to be more, and she was threatening divorcing him if he didn't develop these qualities. So she has an idea and they've been married for a long time. I think it was close to 20 years that uh, they'd been married. And so, um, you know, he has a son, uh, eight year old son. And so for him, he wanted to, to develop these uh, assertive qualities. And it was just amazing to hear his changes. And one of the things that he ended up doing, which I think is a phenomenal idea, and I think every man, and this goes back to finding that fulfillment and happiness in your life, that every man should take a trip with a buddy, with a group of guys every single year. And it was one of the ideas that I had for, for him but he, it, the opportunity arose for him. And at the beginning, his wife was um, uh, happy about the idea. Like, yeah, I want you to go on a trip with your friend. And it was a friend that he lived 15 minutes away, but rarely ever saw. They were very good friends at one time, but they lived 15 minutes away. And they were going to go on this week-long trip. Well, into the planning of the trip, she started having these hesitations, like started kind of giving him some problems. And he had to be assertive, say, look, I'm going to go. I, I really want to go on this trip and I want to spend some time with my friend and I'm going to go. And at the beginning, you were very supportive. I'm going to ask that you continue to support me. And, and I was and it was just phenomenal. And then he did go on the trip. She didn't bother him during the trip. And he felt so good about himself, uh, about taking that trip spending that time with his friend, going and seeing other friends along the way that they both have. Uh, they'd known each other for a long time. And, and how he was, now he didn't just say, no, I'm going on this trip, you know, and you need to do this. You do. No, it was like, look, I, you know, I'm going to do everything I can so that while I'm away, because they have a, a child, seven, eight-year-old child, everything that I can so that um, you're supported while I'm gone, you know, getting the kid because because his parents and her parents live very close. So it was like, okay, I'm gonna make sure that these our parents, my parents have them this day. And he made sure that she was gonna be taken care of the whole entire week. So that was part of it, right? Like he was not just gonna say, no, I'm gonna go on this trip and that's it and that's it. No, that's that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm encouraging. But to express how important that is. And if that's something that's brings happiness, like yeah. I'm going to go on this trip with my friend and that's what I'm, you know, and, and that's, what's going to bring me happiness and fulfillment. And that's where you hope you have a supportive spouse, significant other. And, and, th and there's those things that, that uh, often I find men uh, respond to and just don't have the courage or the skills to do that. Now I did have to coach them on how to best prepare and, and, um, and, you know, to gain her acceptance, you know, acceptance. it's not like asking her for permission, right? Because it's like, hey, this is something I really want to do, but to more of it being uh, supportive. And she was uh, um, happy about the idea, right? And then she was also happy that, that she, he was like, no, we made this decision at the beginning and no, I'm going to, I'm going to go on this trip after she's kind of started giving him a little bit of problems. I'm not sure if that was the result to, to kind of see if he was going to do the, you know, stay within his ground and not back down. Like he, you know, tend to, I guess the last 18 years that they were together. So it's just, uh, well, it's kind of common that different things, especially in, in, um, relationships that 
I want you to change. You know, I want to make that change too. And then change starts. And the person's like, wow, this is, this is a, this change is happening. And then so they can, you know, it can ebb and flow both ways of good. Oh, I'm not so good. Like it's, it does. Yeah. Change and growth in one person affects the relationship in ways that you can't always predict. Absolutely. And you're right. And and it brings up another point where he he has an only child and only children have certain things that they can struggle with in life if it's not taken care of as children. And one of those things with is this kid gets a ton of attention. So everything is on him. And in fact, no one in the family gets Christmas presents except this kid. So can you imagine if they continue on this route that eventually when this kid grows up and realizes the world doesn't revolve around him and his desires at every whim. So he started changing the way he was raising his son to understand like, look, and started telling him no more because it's, it's just an only child. Him and his wife have very good jobs and they make very good money. So the kid could go without, or is not going to go without anything. But in understanding that the kid was, you know, he's eight years old now and, you know, he needs to start putting in the work now because if he doesn't, he's going to be, you know, struggling when that child becomes a teenager. And so through coaching, he began to realize that he needed to change his parent, his parenting in working with his son um, also. And his wife noticed that. And there were some things she liked and started noticing, but she did end up noticing some of the things. So you're right. As someone changes and that energy changes and those things, you know, aren't, aren't the same as they used to, it could be good or bad, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, even change we want can, can trigger things in us and bring up fears and apprehension and, oh, is this really what I wanted after all? And, you know, it's all, <laughs> yeah. it all goes with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I want to get – so. I want to get to where you live because that really, I find this interesting. So, so where do you live, Anthony? I live in Medellin, Colombia, yeah. and I've been living here for almost two years now. And uh, I had a dream of living in a Spanish speaking country. Uh, I wasn't fluent before I came. Um, although I do come from a, a Latino background, um, learning Spanish was not encouraged to me. So I'd always wanted to live in a Spanish speaking country. So about two years ago, uh, I picked a date. All that I was doing was online. I actually didn't have my podcast at the time. And so my, my podcast is just under uh, two years old, not as long as yours. So it's, I wish I would have come across your podcast. I would, I, you know, <laughs> but I'm glad, maybe I'm glad I did because I was thinking, man, more information for men needs to be out there. <laughs> but, but who knows? It's all good. So, um, so I picked a date pick the time. All the stuff that I do is all online. So I don't need to be in one location. Mm -hmm. And I actually went to to Bogota and went to Cartagena, then to Medellin. Then I went to Italy, came back to Medellin and just absolutely fell in love with the place. I was going to continue on South. Uh, I've, I've lived in Ecuador before. Uh, I love Ecuador. Thought that's where I was going to be. I wanted to continue all the way South down to Chile. Um, However, Medellin is my home and I do travel. I, I did make it to my goal in, in visiting uh, far south of, of Chile. And so now I had always wanted to two things. One, do something I'm very passionate about, which is helping people and being able to do it from anywhere in the world. 
And I have chosen for now uh, to be in Medellin because I absolutely love it. Um, I do train in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So when I first came here, uh, it had been several years since I wasn't, since I hadn't trained in jiu-jitsu. So I was like, hey, I could get back into jiu-jitsu. I could be learning Spanish and I could just be enjoying my life. And I have been doing that ever since. Um, jiu-jitsu a little off and on now more a little more consistent but Spanish is getting uh, a lot better and I am just uh, I do travel I'll be traveling um, in June uh, again but traveling is a very big part of my life uh, I've learned so much about myself I know you mentioned you've been to 17 different countries I'm sure that's had that has an impact that has had an impact in your life um, it has had an impact in my life, in my worldview, and different people and cultures and traditions. Absolutely, has opened my 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 worldview up and has allowed me to um, uh, be the person who I am today because of it. And so, uh, being here, uh, I absolutely love it. So cool. this is where I'm at. Yeah, so I, I've been, you know visited Costa Rica and Belize, Guatemala, Ecuador, Chile, and I've met Americans and um, a lot of government people that retire and CIA and and military <laughs> all these places. But I never Colombia never crossed my mind. And you know yeah. my stereotypical vision of Colombia is drug cartels and super violent. And but you're saying that's just not the case. Yeah, and I'm so glad you bring that up because you know. I'm somebody who wants to live in peace. I'm somebody who wants to live comfortably. I want to enjoy my life. I don't want to walk out my door thinking I need to be holding or, you know, carrying some kind of arm, uh, be armed or, you know, uh, that's not the kind of life I want to live. And so I definitely would not be calling this home if that was the case. Um, But that's the unfortunate idea. And that's what, traveling has done for me is open my eyes up to the idea that the media just wants to portray all these negative things about many different countries. And unless you've been there and have lived it and know what you're talking about, um, there's nothing, you know, uh, of course, of course there are things, bad things that happen in every country and everywhere um, throughout the United States and every country. The unfortunate thing is, for news, what do they portray? All the bad stuff that happens. Even where I'm from, originally from in California, there's crazy things that happen. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't want to live there, you know, and I don't for a reason. And so there is, and that's what happens when you visit another country and you're and you meet the people and you you understand, you come to understand as best you can that the cultures and the traditions and things and and understand. Uh, their struggle. And for me, I would not have, I would not call this home if that's how it was, you know, or I had to watch where I was going. Are there bad people everywhere? Absolutely. Are there bad things that happen? Absolutely. But there are people who live quiet, amazing, enjoyable lives that, um, that it's not what the media portrays. Of course, there is that history of Colombia and Colombians do everything they can to um, get past that. Uh, I mean, you can't deny the history that they had uh, of the um, uh, of the past. But um, it's it's a beautiful country. I absolutely love it. I've had amazing experience here, and I 
I absolutely love it. It made it uh, a place for me to, to live. And I have a lot of good friends. I know a lot of veterans, uh, war veterans who live here and have absolutely no desire to ever return back to the United States. Um, for each for their own reason, right? It's, it's quite interesting that many of us uh, served our country and love our country uh, but I have absolutely no idea to, or I have absolutely no desire to ever go back for whatever reasons, right? Quality of life, you know, they just found their, their happy place or maybe they found their significant other here. Uh, there's many different reasons. Um, but I have heard from several veterans and I'm part of a very big veteran group here that many of them often say that um, uh, when they do visit the United States, they, they can't wait to get back to mm. the place they call home. So it's different for everybody, you know, um, the, you know, so there's not really one specific reason why I'm sure there's part political for some, you know, there's part um, lifestyle, there's part, um, there's many different reasons, thousands of reasons, but, um, but from what I've experienced and from, uh, from, from the friends that I have, they have absolutely no desire to ever go back. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's very interesting. And it strikes me as a little sad too, but uh, you know, I'm glad those, all those guys are happy where they are. So that's, you know, definitely the, the upside yeah, of it all. And, and that, yeah. And that's the thing is that they're happy and fulfilled, you know, yeah. whether for whatever reason they, they are here and, if, and, and choose not to go back, you know, it's not that they don't love their country. You don't, you know, they fought for their country, they fought for um, the ideas of, um, you know, um, the country, but um, I know that uh, they served, you know, and that, uh, that they're happy and they're fulfilled. And if that's somewhere else outside of the United States, then that's what we need, right? It doesn't matter where or who, um, where people are from, uh, but that they do find that fulfillment. Uh, they do find that um, happiness in their life. We, do, we need more people to be happy and fulfilled in this yeah. life or in this world. And it doesn't matter where they come from. All my clients um, are from the United States. I don't, I don't do coaching here um, in Colombia, but uh, all my clients are from the United States. And I'm, you know, um, more than happy that, that more uh, American men are finding happiness and fulfillment, you know, and that they are able to do things that, uh, that bring them joy and happiness, uh, whatever that might mean for them and for them to develop those skills, those, that self-esteem and that confidence for them to go after their dreams and their, uh, and their goals. So it's exciting. Cool. Well, I will definitely put Columbia on my travel list now. <laughs> but, Absolutely. So, so thank you for that, opening my eyes and yeah. mind to, to that possibility. And you know, what, what's the best way for people to uh, learn more about you and, and get in touch with you? Yeah, so there's two ways. One, they can uh, visit me at strongmencoaching.com. That's my website there. They can learn a little bit more about me. Also, my podcast, Strong Men Podcast. You can listen to that on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the website at strongmenpodcast.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, Anthony, um, thanks for sharing so much of, of your experience and how you're helping others. I really appreciate your, your openness, your vulnerability about, about your per very personal and, and painful story growing up. And uh, I'm glad that you have found your happiness and fulfillment, and, <laughs> and I'm thrilled that you're helping more people find that as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And, you know, for all those that are listening, you know, I would encourage you to reach out to Andy, reach out to him, reach out to really whoever you have a connection with. If you're wanting to move forward, you know, the past is the past. Unfortunately, we can't change that. Do I wish I could change it? Absolutely. It would have saved so much heartache, so much pain in my life if I could go back and just you know, talk to my dad and be like, you know, can you just, you know, this is going to affect me for almost the rest of my life, you know, for a big part of my life, you know, and it perhaps in some ways still is right. Because now I'm happy men, what I wish maybe my father had access to, you know, whatever that happiness and fulfillment that he would have been able to have zero desire to be, to humiliate his own children, you know, and thinking that, that was going to help them out later on in life, you know? And so for me, it's, so I just want to encourage you to, if you're ready to move forward to seek out a, co- a coach that you could connect with and reach out and move forward in the kind of life that you desire, because it is possible. There's more men like me who are living their dreams. There's more men like Andy who are finding that happiness and fulfillment and what he does and what they do. And you could be the same. You don't have to become a coach or therapist or anything like that, but you could find that happiness and fulfillment in your life as a husband, as a, as a father, as a, as a member of society. And the more you're happy and fulfilled, the better you are going to be um, in, whatever you, in whatever you want to be, whether that's a better husband, a better father, a better person, a better son, whatever it may be for you, but that you... Um, Uh, can move forward in your life and realize that whatever situation that you're in, not to diminish your situation, but there are people who have overcome immense odds uh, in this life. And you can have a life that you're, you're happy that you're fulfilled and you're proud of. So in that uh, I want to encourage you to, 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 to reach out and to not let any kind of stigma um, get in, get in the way of, of you getting that help and that support that you need, because we all need it. Yeah. All of us I, need it. Yeah. Uh, thank you for, for all of that, Anthony. And yeah, I, I totally believe everybody's here for a reason. We all have a purpose and nobody's purpose is to be a miserable bastard. Nobody's <laughs> purpose is to beat their kids. Like it's no, where where life is supposed to feel good, right? Yeah. It's, we're, this is a magnificent gift we all have. And, Absolutely. It's up to us. It's up to each one of us to take advantage of that, to take responsibility Absolutely. for that and to Absolutely. pursue those goals which, and you know, to be selfish, right? To live a life <laughs> that feels good, to, to live, yeah. find fulfillment, to find the place that makes you happiest to live, to find the work that makes you happiest. It's, we, we are all worthy of that. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you, Anthony. Thanks everyone for listening. And uh, until next time, be good to yourself. <laughs> Bye. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Contact us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel.